Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer, artist, Adam Gorham. He is the artist on the Blue Flame from Vault Comics, and he is here to promote his book from IDW, Godzilla Rivals versus King Ghidorah. Now, this book marks his writing debut. Adam, I want to be the first to congratulate you on this. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, this Godzilla size one shot comes out on December 22nd. And I, I'm hoping I got the, the previews code correctly. It's OCT210380. Now, Adam, how are you doing today? I'm, uh, I'm very well. Uh, you know, I'm kind of it's been a busy week and I'm a little scatterbrained, but I'm doing pretty well overall. Thank you for asking. I'm excited to be here and to talk about, uh, you know, we'll talk about all kinds of things. Yes. No, thank you. very, Adam, thank you very much for joining, joining us. Thank you very much. Now, listeners, I want to go over Adam's history a little bit. So, and like I said, Adam, please correct me at any point, you know, so now correct me if I'm wrong. So your first, your first, um, comic book that you um, that you did, that you drew, was an original graphic novel called The Vampire Conspiracies in 2009? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, 2000, 2009. Okay. And then your next work that you did is, and I'm going to try to pronounce the name correctly, um, Teuton. Yeah. It's from, now, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, if I got the publisher's name wrong, Big Sexy Comics? <laughs> yeah that's what we called ourselves i mean it was self-published okay uh, um my you know fred kennedy uh created and and, and wrote Teuton with me um he was he wanted to, you know was, we were two indie kids and uh -huh. we're uh doing our own indie comics and so i find like a lot of people who start out doing indie stuff it isn't enough to just make your own book you need your own imprint name things like that so uh -huh. Oh. Um, you know, all of the trappings of what we perceive as making a comic book real and tangible, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, Fred is from a part of Canada called uh, Alberta, Edmonton, uh, to be exact. And um, he had a friend named Tony Sklepik, who is uh, just a, an amazing tattoo artist out in Edmonton, mm -hmm. Alberta. And they were going to make some comics together. Um, now, as Fred explained it to me, Tony, one of Tony's monikers is Big Sexy. <laughs> so when they were making, making before I met Fred, we got making comics together. He and Tony wanted to, you know, start their own imprint called Big Sexy Comics. Um, and uh, so I would meet Fred a little after that. And so the name Big Sexy was already kind of in place. And I was fine with it, um, you know. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so it's like Big Sexy Comics is not, you know, it's not an official thing or anything like that, but that's, you know, that's, that's what we call ourselves. <laughs> now, for our listeners, um, let, now, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, I know this is a three-volume, um, um, there's three volumes to this, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's regarding the Crusades, correct? Yeah, so Teuton is... Um, it's a story that Fred conceived of, uh, and it's basically, Fred's a huge history buff and loves um, 
you know, love stories about tactical warfare and, and things of that nature, and in, um, in particular, medieval history. Mm-hmm. So uh, our, um, our story takes place during the uh, Third Crusades. My memory is not what it once was, but I believe it takes, it's, it takes place during the Crusades, and it follows uh, a, a legion of Teutonic knights mm-hmm. um, who were in Lithuania and, uh, you know, fighting with pagans. And um, our main character, uh, uh, who's a sword brother named Andrus Tam, mm-hmm. uh, is, is you know along their along their way encounters um, uh, the pagan gods in you know in real life. It turns out that they're very much real, and um, there's a they're you know they they've got things going on, and so Andrus. Um, uh, gets uh, embroiled in this conflict in Lithuania, um, where he is kind of a stranger in a strange land, mm-hmm. um, an adversary of the people that he, you know, is now having to align himself with mm-hmm. uh, in this conflict. So it's part, you know, like it's kind of Clash of the Titans, um, but in a in a medieval in a, mm-hmm. in a medieval setting, um, and it deals a lot with Lithuanian folklore. That sounds pretty cool. I. I'm sorry, I'm going off the cuff here. Um, is it available through Amazon or? No, no, it was, self, it was self-published. Um, so I actually don't know if it's available to purchase anywhere online. We mm-hmm. mainly sold it at shows here in Toronto uh, lo- locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know like, I, you know, I have, I have copies lying around. Mm-hmm. Fred has copies lying around. So anybody listening who would like to, uh, you know, there's three trade paperbacks. It's a trilogy. Uh, well, it's one story, but told in three volumes. And um, so if there are people who are interested, they're welcome to contact either myself or Fred. Because okay. um, we do, you know, it's still available, but it's not, you know, widely available. Oh, okay. And then I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to, so, and then when you talk about Fred, now correct, and then, sorry, I'm going to add this on that. Now, is Fred still a Toronto radio personality called Fearless Fred Kennedy? Is he still, <laughs> is he still working in radio? Yeah, yeah, Fred's still in broadcasting. Um, so he's, uh, you know, doing afternoons at Q107. Um, and he's still, he's, you know, like when he's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And, um, you know, one of the reasons that I was listening to radio uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, and in fact, that is how we discovered each other. Uh, you know, I had, as you said, my first comic was a graphic novel called the vampire conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And I had just completed that and was now looking for ways to, to sell it, to make some money. Mm-hmm. So um, I was driving around the greater Toronto area to various places looking to see if I could get placement at these stores, just literally driving to comic shops with, with copies of the book in my car and asking if they would either carry it or do some kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, deal with me on either buy copies or just, you know, on consignment. Mm -hmm. And so that summer, as I was driving around, um, you know, I kept hearing this guy on the radio and, you know, there's like a lot of, a lot of road work being done that year. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of time yes. spent in traffic and I'm listening to him and he's, you know, there's this guy on the alternative rock station talking about how he's got, you know, like screen lantern comics and he's got all these comic tattoos um, and so mm-hmm. on. So I got it in my head 
that I should write this guy, ask him if he would want to talk about my comic either on air or whatever, and maybe that would help sell some books. So I wrote mm-hmm. him up and he got back in touch with me and said, you know, I checked out your stuff and I'm incidentally, I'm trying to write and create comics myself. Would you be interested in, in teaming up? Mm-hmm. And so that was how I found my, my, my second gig. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And, and then, then we, um, we've been good friends ever since. Mm-hmm. And then um, now before I continue and let me just continue on and then I'll ask them um, your, you know, how people can contact you and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and before I continue, listeners, I right now there is a yardman outside doing some yard work. I'm hoping you guys don't hear it on the microphone. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to continue on with your history. So, and then you did some work for Marvel, the New Mutants Dead Souls miniseries in 2018. That's correct. Um, now, Punk Mambo from Valiant in 2018. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, 1819, but okay. New Moons followed by Punk Mambo. Okay. And then I know you did a miniseries, Rocket. Now, this is Rocket Raccoon, the um, Blue River Score miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, dro- um, Dead Drop. Um, was that a miniseries from Valiant Comics? Yeah, it was a four-issue miniseries. Okay. And then I know you did Teenage Ninja Mutant Ninja Turtles, some Teenage Ninja Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. And also you contributed to the Toronto Comics um, Anthology. Mm -hmm. And then this is something I want to look for the trade. You did The Violent from Image Comics. And that was in 2015? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm yeah, I when... um, you know, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading that, to pick that up and reading that. Check that out. Oh, good. Well, I hope you do check it out. It's one of the, it's one of the books that I'm most proudest of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, for those who don't know, like the, uh, the violin was actually one of the very first professional things that I did. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's uh, so, you know, created by Ed Brisson, myself, Mike Garland, Tom Muller, um and it's a uh it's a canadian crime comic and you know there aren't many comics set in canada or about canadians and so ed and i are both ed and i are both canadian and um you know ed's a a writer that i was a fan of um beforehand and um and so it's a it's a story about uh uh this husband and wife who had um you know uh, kind of a troublesome life Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, problems with drugs and what have you, and got themselves cleaned up after after the birth of their uh, child, and um, are trying to live a straight and narrow life. And um, you know, their uh, their darker past catches up with them. And um, and it takes it's set in Vancouver and um, deals with a lot of the real world problems that Vancouver faces to this mm-hmm. day. Um, so you know, it's a very it's a very grounded and uh, a realistic uh, crime tale mm-hmm. about people who, um, you know, are, are you know people that I've you know, you know known that I've you know, you know basically we wanted you to read this book and feel like it was something that you could easily see on your evening news, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, so uh, yeah, I guess that was like 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. um, but um, that was uh, 
it was it was doing my work on that actually the gritty crime stuff i think is what um got marvel to consider me for rocket which mm-hmm. was uh which was being written by al ewing and um was a miniseries that focused on rocket's exploits when he wasn't with the guardians mm-hmm. and um you know wanted to it explored his uh his criminal past yeah um but the take on it was, uh, you know, um, telling a rocket story as if it were like a Raymond Chandler novel. So it was like a neo-noir in space. Uh, you know, um, rocket has a femme fatale that, uh, asks for his help and puts him in a dangerous situation. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's twists and turns and double crosses and, and, and heartbreak, mm-hmm. um, all, all wrapped within this, uh, story about, a space raccoon. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I think my work, <laughs> I think my work on the violent uh, made me a perfect fit for this uh, raccoon comic. So, but it was a, you know, it's a, so that was my first work at Marvel. Uh, and it's something I'm still very proud of. That is so cool. Um, so again, so, you know, listeners, if you're interested in picking up the violent now, I know you know, please you know, go to your local comic shops, order it through them. Um, let's see. Um, and then I, you know, the Rocket miniseries, Rocket, the Blue River score. Um, again, go to your comic shops, order it through them. Or, you know, I believe it's probably available on Marvel Unlimited right now. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I've been, you know, there's that new Guardians of the Galaxy game. And I think that there's a skin for Rocket that's based on, um, his look in our comic. Uh, so I've been, you know, I think there's been some new interest in the book as a result. So, you know, by all means, everybody go back and read that book by digitally. That is so cool. That's pretty cool. How cool I, I'm going off the cuff. How cool was that that you heard about that they're using, you know, that for the game, your design for the game. Yeah. It's a, it's a neat little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's really, with, uh, you know, with work for hire stuff and stuff for like either Marvel or DC, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I, I think for any creator, um, the idea of contributing to this tapestry is, uh, is pretty fun. You know what I mean? Like they're characters that you never really get to own. They never really become yours. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of, you know, there's that, you know, there's a, uh, an old expression about how like you're just playing with somebody else's toys and when you're done, you got to put them away. And it's true. And, um, you know, like I'm a big proponent of creator owned comics and and Mm -hmm. what have you, but you know, like getting to work for a publisher with characters that you have, that you have known and uh, appreciated for, you know, for as long as speaking for myself anyway, for, that I, you know, that I you know, grew up reading comics, and so getting to work for Marvel is a huge deal, and getting contrib- to contribute to that, and you know, at the end of the day, you kind of hope that you have some impact that lasts, and so, you know, it's nice to think that I have, mm-hmm. and um, so little things like, you know, Rocket having a skin in a video game or mm-hmm. an action figure or something like that, it's you know, it's it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't sustain me in perhaps any meaningful way, but it is a nice little claim to fame. that's pretty cool okay so adam did i miss anything i mean possibly like i've you know i've got a lot under my belt so far but as you say like i 
um you know i i did some turtle stuff pretty early on mm-hmm. i i inked i you know i i inked some some stuff from my buddy michael walsh who drew mm-hmm. um a ninja turtles and x-files crossover and that's kind of how i got my start mm-hmm. both at idw and with published comics in general mm-hmm. um and um and then from there like i had uh, made inroads with different creators and um, I did an issue of um, Zero, written and created by Alish Kant. Um, I think that was issue 12. And so that was like the first full, I think, you know, I, I won't say the first full comic that I drew, but it was the first widely published thing that I had drawn. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and really just kind of, you know, kept climbing the ladder from there. Um, and so Ed and I had been in the process of, of pitching uh, The Violent when Valiant offered me this four-issue miniseries called Dead Drop that mm-hmm. um, Alish Cott was writing. And we had just done Zero together, so he thought of me for that project. And um, that was my first experience with drawing uh, superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that was really fun and uh, you know challenging and exciting. And... Um, I think kind of, I hope introduced people to my work and kind of got them primed for whatever Ed and I might be doing on The Violent. Mm-hmm. And then from The Violent, I went to, to Marvel and, um, you know, while drawing Rocket, I, you know, I drew some pages in an issue of Black Panther and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, different things here and there mm-hmm. um, before going off to New Mutants, Dead Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after that, uh, back to you know valiant for for punk mambo mm-hmm. um and uh getting pretty close to where i'm at currently i suppose um yes. but um yeah so i you know um finished punk mambo and then uh was returning for another i believe when you know the pandemic hit and that kind of mm-hmm. uh, put a lot of things in jeopardy in terms of like what was being published and when. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to, uh, you know, um, take some time to find my next long-term project. But in the interim did, you know, I did an issue of Savage Avengers, um, an issue in a, in a five-part miniseries from Marvel called Contagion, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, uh, oddly, you know, I, oddly enough, it was about a, a plague pandemic that the superheroes had to stop uh literally i think the winter before the pandemic hit um but at at any rate um so you know doing different things for marvels while doing covers at vault comics and and various other publishers Mm -hmm. um and then while doing steady cover work at vault uh landed a uh a gig um called the blue flame with the creator chris cantwell christopher cantwell Okay, and then so listeners, we will touch upon the blue, um, the blue flame um, in a little bit. Um, so, Adam, I want to ask you, um, where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter um, mm-hmm. and Instagram. My handles for both are at Adam T Gorham, mm-hmm. G O R H A M, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm fairly active on both. If you mm-hmm. enjoy seeing. My art is, in particular, my art process. Um, Instagram is definitely something you want to check out. And uh, I, put, I also share a lot of stuff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, 
tweet a lot of dumb ideas out there. So if that's your bag, then that's, mm-hmm. that's where you want to be to get all that goodness. And then one last thing um, for um, if, so, if, if a listener is interested in getting at least checking out a volume of two ton, how can they get a hold of you? My email is probably the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam.gorham at live.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, tweet at me, uh, send me a DM on Instagram. Uh, you know, both those, uh, both of those are perfectly acceptable. Okay. All right. Thank you. Now, before, now, before we really get into the, um, meat of the interview, I want to encourage listeners to also check out Adam's other interview that he did on the speech bubble podcast. Now that was dated last year, January 20th, um, 2020, excuse me. That podcast episode goes into a deep dive into Adam's origin story. And listeners, I listened to that interview and it was a very good interview. It really was. So yeah. So if you guys get a chance. All right. So Adam, where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in a rural town in Ontario called Perth. And uh, when I was two, my family moved to Mississauga, which Mm -hmm. is a suburb of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I've lived there ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still there now and raising a family here. And then um, what was or were your first comics that you read? Well, I mean, that's a little tough to answer because I don't think that I properly read a comic for a very long time, despite having a few of them. I was always picking up comics for the art. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, uh, uh, I can't, I honestly don't recall what the very first comic I ever had was, but I know that the first comic I got that left a lasting impression on me Mm-hmm. was a trade paperback collection of Batman the Cult. Um, so this, yeah, so this was, I mean, I don't think I was, I was like maybe eight or ten or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so this was in the early to mid-90s, and um, we were still within the comics bubble at that point. And mm-hmm. so lots of places that weren't carrying comics before that were suddenly on that bandwagon. So. Mm-hmm. Um, near my, near the building where I grew up in was a, was a mall and in the mall was a like cigar newsstand mm-hmm. type store. And, um, you know, like not like, you know, this, the type of place where you could like buy magazines and newspapers from different parts of the world. And, um, you know, and at that time, lots and lots of comics. And so they were actually pretty good at carrying everything for, that was fairly current. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, for one reason or another, my dad went in there and, uh, you know, picked up this Batman graphic novel that mm-hmm. he thought that I would like mm-hmm. without, I'm assuming, ever having looked inside of it, because that's like a pretty intense story to give a child. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I loved it, you know. Yes. Um, and it was the type of story that even without reading, because my reading comprehension wasn't super back then, um, being a kid. Um, it was a type of story where you could follow along pretty well visually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just mad. So, uh, you know, um, illustrated by, by Bernie Wrightson. Yes. And um, his art uh, has stayed with me ever since. And mm-hmm. so that was a very precious book to me. And then, you know, over time, there were different comics that I would either get with my allowance. Because 
for the most part, I was buying my comics with my allowance, mm-hmm. um, which meant that I wasn't getting any one thing consistently or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or all that many. But, yeah. um, you know, I would get the odd issue of like a Spider-Man or a Batman or an X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember getting the first issue of like Malibu Street Fighter uh, or mm-hmm. I think Malibu Comics might have also done Mortal Kombat. But... Mm-hmm. You know, I got those, uh, just things that I would recognize. And, um, but um, the first kind of like mini series that I ever followed would have been uh, an Aliens versus Predator comic. Um, yes. Uh, so this was like a six issue mini series. Um, and, uh, you know, like it followed a plot that, you know, that the, that the AVP movie closely resembled, mm-hmm. except it was set on kind of like a, uh, uh, a Montanan planet, like a planet that was very much like Montana. Yes. Um, and, uh, but, you know, like hit, hit all the same beats as I think every AVP story does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, that was like the first time that I experienced, cause I was aware of Predator. Mm-hmm. Like I had seen, I think Predator 2 maybe at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, cause I know that I saw two before one. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of aliens, mm-hmm. but um, just the idea that these two different established properties could come together in comic yeah. form was super, super fun to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, um, to me at the time was like, this is the power of the medium. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. uh, so that was the first, that was the first kind of like miniseries that I got from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt fun, like reading it. I was like, it's like I'm reading a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, like I didn't collect anything um, steadily for a very long time. Not not until I was making my own money, anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, let's see. Um, how did you break into comics? Well, you know, um, I, uh, I, you know, breaking in implies that it all happened somewhat fast and um, immediately, and. Mm-hmm. I think every, you know, everybody's story is very different yes. and it's never, it's never really all that fast. So uh, the term breaking in is, um, you know, how, I kind of think of it as like, how did you make your climb mm-hmm. in the comics? Like it's, you know, it's a journey. Like it's yes. not, it's not, it's not opening a door and entering, mm-hmm. um, you know, like everybody I know who's working in comics, it's been, a, like a you know a series of progressions and so mm-hmm. for me um you know i think like i i for a long time you know when i was an art student when i was uh you know uh, done school but working full-time i was always saying out loud how i wanted to be a comic book artist and mm-hmm. it was you know um kind of an obvious path for me because i was uh you know i loved to draw Mm-hmm. I loved comic books and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it seemed like the obvious choice, but there's no added, you know, like, you know, the entering the industry was very mysterious as mm-hmm. it is for most people. And I think that's why it's such a, pre, you know, prevailing question. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, the way I came to do it, and I guess the real truth of it is that as soon as you make comics, you are in the business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As soon as you start making comics, yeah. you're a comic book artist. You're a comic book creator. You're mm-hmm. a part, you're a part of the industry. You're part of this world. But 
Also, what I've come to learn is that when people ask, how did you break in? What they're really asking is, how did you start getting professional level work? Which is uh, a perfectly natural, natural thing to want to know. Um, but, um, you know, like I got my start by, I was, uh, you know, with, um, uh, you know, the woman who I'm with now, mm -hmm. uh, my partner, um, and she's been the most supportive person in my life as far as my career goes. Uh, well, really, in every aspect of my life, she's the most supportive. And so, you know, she um, supported my ambition mm -hmm. and uh, nurtured it. And so she actually, at, at, you know, in my 20s, she took me to my first comic convention. Um, nice. And, um, and, you know, so like I had never been to one before and mm -hmm. was kind of really and too intimidated to go to one beforehand mm -hmm. or on my own. I just, I don't know what I thought they would be like. Mm -hmm. um, but in my mind, I wasn't ready to go to one. And I don't know what I was waiting for. But anyhow, um, you know, like I got a real sense of the world from mm -hmm. being dragged to go to one. And it, you know, bolstered my confidence. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I had gone from, uh, so I was done with school and was working full time. And, mm -hmm. Um, had just basically done a series of jobs that I just really didn't enjoy mm -hmm. um, until I was, you know, working in a grocery warehouse that really broke my spirits. And then mm -hmm. um, I just sort of, you know, decided, you know, after I can't do these kinds of jobs anymore, was, mm -hmm. you know, what, after this is done, I'm going to make a go of it and mm -hmm. see where that takes me and see how far I can go. Mm -hmm. um, and it was at that point that, um, I went looking for work uh, in comics online, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I looked in. I looked at the same places that I thought to look for any other kind of job, like Monster.com. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But ultimately, found um, a listing on Craigslist of all places mm -hmm. for uh, a, a job that would become the Vampire Conspiracy. Mm -hmm. um, and that was with a guy named Mark Morgenstern, who's a you know he's a director, um, mm -hmm. was directing commercials at the time, and um, wanted to adapt one of his, his, his films into a graphic novel. And that's mm -hmm. how I cut my teeth. And then, you know, really once, uh, you know, going back to what I said about just start making comics and you're yes. in the business. Once I had that finished product, that book in my hands and under my belt, it was better than handing somebody a resume or a business card or a portfolio. Mm -hmm. You know, you were just, you had a book, you had something to your name, Mm -hmm. something people could something tangible people could look at yeah. and decide whether or not they wanted to give you their time or money mm -hmm. um and yeah that was my first step and mm -hmm. so i just got to you know acquainted myself with other creators in the toronto scene and mm -hmm. you know and then kind of branched further out as as time went by mm -hmm. and um you know what's important i think for any creator is to just you know, not only so first of all, don't wait for anybody to hand you a job to make comics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was very fortunate in that I did find somebody who was actively looking for an artist, but mm -hmm. before that, like, you, you know, it would have been smart of me to have just start making the comics that I wanted to make. Yes. And um, because those opportunities, you know, like I was lucky, but not everybody will be lucky. And so mm -hmm. it's worth your while to just start making comics on your own. You learn a lot that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah. And then, so once you have something, you can just take that around and show mm -hmm. people and, and make connections that way. 
and then enough, you know, you do it enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't stop at the one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend starting your magnum, you know, starting your career with your magnum opus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you do, uh, you know, enough things and uh, you build yourself a little body of work where people see that you can, A, you can do it and get it done yes. and you can do it consistently and that, mm-hmm. see, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you can, you have the power to establish yourself. Um, and then once I was kind of established as a, as a, as an entity, you know, like I, um, you know, made friends who were kind of on the same wavelength and, and skill level as I am. And we just kind of, you know, bonded and rose up in the ranks together, you know, um, and you do something long enough, you hopefully get better at it, which I, I did, I excelled. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my proving my talent got me, you know, uh, uh, jobs with, with, uh, you know, higher profiles. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like, and that was the slow and steady progression of breaking in, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I got, I, you know, I, I got to, I was lucky enough to be, to be given work at Marvel mm-hmm. in 2017, but I had been making comics since 20, sort of since 2008. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it's, uh, it's a, it's, it's no, uh, you know, there's no overnight success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like the, you know, the key to breaking into comics is just to make them. It sounds yeah. like really lazy advice, but it, there couldn't be any truer advice. Mm-hmm. Um, the key to breaking in is uh, a little complicated because there's no key to it. People yeah. work really hard to get work with, publishers like marvel or dc or whomever mm-hmm. and it doesn't always happen or it mm-hmm. takes a long time mm-hmm. and there could be you know all kinds of reasons why that might be so mm-hmm. um but it you know i should also point out that that doesn't have to be um anybody's definition of breaking in in my opinion as long as you're making comics you have you know you've unlocked the door yourself you're in yes mm-hmm. yeah so um, I just want to touch upon the vampire conspiracy um, well, just a little bit. Okay. You know, have you seen Have you seen the movie? Yeah, I had to watch it to illustrate mm-hmm. the comic. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, it's it's a, the vampire conspiracy. For those listening, is a um, you know, it's a it's a horror movie mm-hmm. uh, about vampires. That's kind of a blend of of Saw and. Um, uh, Gosh, I don't know what else to compare it to, but um, you know, it takes it, you know, it takes the premise of Saw, where you have uh, a group of unlikely strangers mm-hmm. um, who find themselves in a in a in a maze-like circumstance, um, uh, and they've all been you know for you know reasons that they you discover over the course of the story, they all share connections, mm-hmm. and. Um, there's a, a master vampire orchestrating all of this. And so they have to get through this maze and solve puzzles um, to, in order to survive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and um, as you know, the more they learn and more to discover uh, the more they realize that they have reasons to hate each other mm-hmm. and possibly, uh, you know, even uh, kill each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, I mean, that's the premise of the story in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it, it's a very low budget horror movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is what it is. There's really no getting yeah. around that. 
Um, mm -hmm. I think the main vampire was an actor from uh, the Lilydale chicken commercials, which I were a thing here in Canada. Okay. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So I've I've definitely I've seen the movie. <laughs> okay. Now, for listeners, if you are interested in checking out the Vampire Conspiracy movie, it is currently on Amazon Prime. So, all right. So, Adam, we've already talked about you know the Vampire Conspiracy. You know your first working comics. Now we're going to go to Godzilla Rivals versus King Ghidorah. Yeah. How did how did you get this awesome assignment? I asked for it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, like I, I kind of can't believe that it happened to be perfectly honest, uh -huh. um, but I'm very glad that it has. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, like I, I mean, when I say I just asked for it, I don't mean to throw around any weight, but you know, like I've been doing consistent work with IDW for a while. And mm -hmm. so I've developed a relationship with, with, um, with the, with the people there, um, where, you know, like the doors were, I guess, a little, you know, more open to me than, you know, anybody else. Yes. But um, for anybody listening who gets it in their head to just solicit ideas to publishers, please don't. <laughs> they won't listen yep. to them. Um, so I didn't just I didn't just write up an email and say, hey, I want to do this. But, you know, there is a courtship to it. Um, mm -hmm. You can't you cannot give ideas or pitches unsolicited. You kind of got it. You do. I did have to, you know, so I, I, I have a couple of editors there. Mm -hmm. I am in contact with and I asked I broached the subject of, of you know I have this idea for a story mm -hmm. what's the protocol for mm -hmm. approaching you with a, a story regarding licensed yes. properties because um, I've pitched original stories to them before and there's a protocol for that but for this they were just like you know basically had to you know you kind of ask permission to yes. slide this by them um, and when they were ready to, you know, receive my idea, that's when I laid it on them. So, um, you know, during the pandemic, uh, like a lot of people, I was spinning my wheels a little bit and mm -hmm. finding ways to keep sane. And one of those ways was I started collecting action figures, buying toys online. Um, so before long, I found myself with a Godzilla figure mm -hmm. on a shelf next to um, uh, an, a, a space alien figure. And I just had this idea of, you know, um, what if you took the war, of, the premise of War of the Worlds and then put Godzilla in there? So aliens show up to destroy Earth, but now there's Godzilla. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the gist of what I was proposing. Uh, now, coincidentally, they were, I guess, because they had, IDW had recently gotten Godzilla back mm -hmm. and um, were trying to find something to do with him. And um, so they had a couple of things in the works. And one of, their, one of the things that they were doing were uh, a series of one-shots. Mm -hmm. um, and the one-shots revolve, each one-shot would revolve around uh, a specific, uh, you know, Toho monster. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of, so, yeah, there you go. So Godzilla rivals. So mm -hmm. each issue focuses on one of his rivals. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, they're treated as self-contained stories. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, you know, they... Uh, you know, liked my idea about space invaders mm -hmm. uh, coming, you know, messing with Earth and messing with Godzilla, mm -hmm. um, and uh, asked me if I could, you know, incorporate things from the Toho wheelhouse, mm -hmm. you know, um, the Toho stable, 
of, uh, of characters and creatures and what have you. So, um, you know, I got King, I got my hands on King Ghidorah, which was the most obvious fit for that in mm-hmm. the zillions. Yes. Um, and, um, and, uh, which is like, I think one of the best, uh, kaiju to get to play with, mm-hmm. um, at least most, one of the most iconic, mm-hmm. um, and so that's really how it came about, you know, like they, at first I just only wanted to write it because I wasn't confident in writing something and drawing it because mm-hmm. I was, you know, like I'm actively drawing a different series. Yes. Uh, so I wasn't sure how much time that I'd have to do it. And, um, but they were insistent that if I was going to write it, that I would draw it as well, which, you know, <laughs> is a pretty sweet deal. So, yes. you know, the team at IDW, my editors, Tom Waltz and Megan Brown, um, have just been super super amazing and supportive of me in every every regard of this project um so you know i got to spend my i got to take my time writing it and um and i'm now actively drawing it wow so um as a writer and an artist on this book did i'm just asking did did you have did you write out a full script or did you like have an outline already and then uh at first all I had was just this nugget of an idea, like literally what I said, you know, like what if aliens came to, what if, you know, what if Mars, what if Mars invaded earth and Godzilla showed up and it was kind of like, well, tell us more about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and then, so I had to, you know, I wrote up a, uh, basically a plot outline mm-hmm. um, and it just talks about the story in very broad strokes, Marvel's, you know, or sorry, Martians invade earth. Uh, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. And so it's just basically looking at looking at a story from, from a, like, you know, from a, it's like, it's like you have a story and you take 10 steps back from it to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so once I gave them that synopsis, it was like, okay, well, here's some things that you can do. Here are some things that Toho won't let you do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, you know, like you were, it's, it's like working with Toho is like working with any other licensed products. They uh-huh. need to control their brand. And so there was things that I wanted to do that they, I guess, aren't prepared to have in a Godzilla story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that'll, that is what it is. But, um, you know, I had, you know, I was given parameters to work within and I would manage to do that. Um so, you know, I started with an outline that I had to re- revise a couple of times. And then once we got an outline that was approved, mm-hmm. then I went into writing the script. And so I knew that I was working with 40 pages. And mm-hmm. so I basically broke the story down in 10 page increments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, these 10 pages will basically be this chapter of the story. Mm-hmm. The next 10 pages are the second chapter. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, tackled tackled the story in ten page chunks, you know. So, um, you know, and I've drawn enough comics and read enough comic scripts to be very familiar with like the formatting and uh-huh. and how things how to pace things. Um, uh, so that part was pretty fun, uh, and there were some challenges in certain regards. You know, like it's as an artist, it's pretty easy to plot action. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? This this explodes and then this smashes and so on. And then as it gets into more like, you know, exposition and characters talking and Mm -hmm. that's when things got a little um, more challenging for me. But again, like it was a real thrill to get to work through. And then Mm -hmm. so I worked through the script in 10 page increments until, uh, until I submitted the whole thing. And, um, 
and then had to make revisions from there. But then, you know, finally arrived at a place where it's like, this is it. Let's get mm -hmm. to drawing. Now, how big of a Godzilla fan are you? I'm not the world's, like, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make myself sound like, I don't want to make myself sound like a fan or sorry, an Uber fan because mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to come challenge me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I have a, I, you know, like I have a fun relationship with Godzilla and the property. I watched, um, I watched Godzilla films, uh, at a pretty early age. Mm -hmm. Um, and not in any way where I was like, I love Godzilla so much, but Godzilla is one of these interesting characters where he shows up in a lot of different areas of pop culture. Like he's somebody that I was aware of and familiar with before I even saw one of his movies. Like he's that, he's like, he's, or he's that ubiquitous. Um, like when I was a kid, I had an inflatable punching doll that had Godzilla on it, you know, yeah. with like, this, this, like the sand at the bottom that little kids could bop. Yeah. I had one of those. I, I'm pretty sure that I had um, a Geigen action figure, not, not knowing what Geigen was when I was a kid. Yes, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, you know, like I think Godzilla in a way is, you know, fairly saturated throughout pop culture mm -hmm. in a, in, in a very subtle respect. So I've always had an affection for Godzilla and giant monsters in general, but mm -hmm. I do, I have a vivid memory of seeing a black and white, um, Godzilla movie. I think it might have been King of the Monsters, so the American version mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid. And um, but um, back in '97, when uh, Roland Emmerich's God, you know yes. American Godzilla movie was coming out, um, that really excited me in a big way, in a way that I still remember. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like, so say what you will about that movie or that take on Godzilla. Um, you know, in 97, I would have been in about like sixth or seventh grade. I was, a, you know, I, Independence Day had rocked my world. Mm -hmm. uh, there was kind of, a, you know, alien invasion films or, were in vogue uh, mm -hmm. yeah. at that point in time. But I, you know, like I was the kid that the 90s Godzilla movie was made for. Um, I dragged a friend of mine after school to go see it. I was just really excited. I was so hyped by the trailers because they were keeping the look of Godzilla under, you know, a tight lid. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted the spectacle. I, you know, I bought into their hype machine and I watched the movie and I, I, I had a really good time watching it. And then, you know, you leave, I left the movie thinking like, well, this didn't really hold up. Yeah. Like I loved this. This was less cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was in like a toy store not long after and I bought, like a, uh, it was like a little action figure set that yeah. uh, came with like a small Godzilla, mm -hmm. some small army men, some small uh, helicopters, yeah. things like that. Um, and I played with that a lot, imagining my own version of this movie, mm -hmm. you know? In fact, the, the Godzilla that I speak of is actually on my shelf over my shoulder. Um, but um, I remember, you know, talking to my friends at school, like, wouldn't it be cool if they did this, mm -hmm. but then they, you know, they made it about this or they, they changed this. I want to write my own thing. And mm -hmm. I, I, this is like, you know, a, a, a turning point in my life, I guess, because I remember saying like how I wanted to write my own version of this Godzilla tale. Mm 
mm-hmm. and a friend going like kind of sneering at me about it like why would you want to do that the movie's made it's yeah. done <laughs> um, and i remember thinking like but it doesn't have to be yeah uh and so i've kind of had that inside of me mm-hmm. since 1997 um but um you know like i but i've always thought godzilla was pretty cool and i've always drawn him for yeah. fun um and he was always a character that i wanted to you know take my stab at and um and uh, i think he's also you know based on the reaction to the legendary films i think he's also a character that most audiences don't understand um you know so i think uh you know i i think many of the people who went in to see the legendary films hadn't really seen the earlier like the original movies and yes. um you know we're unfamiliar with like the the formula to these to these movies mm-hmm. um and so you know they, they might have had mixed feelings about it but anywho uh uh suffice to say i've i've always had um i've always had love for for the monster and in their world um and then i but that really sped up in the during over the pandemic mm-hmm. um because as i say i got into collecting godzilla figures and i have I think about 14 at this point. Um, and, um, you know, and I had seen, uh, you know, the different, different movies at different points of time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether they were on t- some, you know, TV channel or what have you, but yeah. I had seen them, but um, couldn't ever remember one whole movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, you know, I purchased that fancy pants criterion collection of the, yes. Uh, yeah, of uh, um, and so you know, watched that with my children, mm-hmm. and, um, just fell in love with it all over again, mm-hmm. um, and and in many ways for the first time. So you know, like I, I am I am definitely crazy about Godzilla, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not ready to I'm not ready to throw down with any experts. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one question I want to ask you. How excited were your comic book creator buddies when you told them that you got this ex- on this assignment? I kept it pretty close to the chest for a while. Okay. Um, it, I told one friend of mine, Michael Walsh, mm-hmm. who's somebody that I uh, speak to a lot. And, um, he's a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, he had been, you know, he had been telling me we, as just as, as artists, kind of agreed that, you know, like the smart move is to start writing stuff, get into writing and mm-hmm. just as a way of taking control of our careers, you know, not being reliant on writers and nothing against writers, but you know, like if you can write and draw your own stuff, it's a little more liberating. Mm-hmm. And so we were both trying to make strides in that regard. Um, Michael now has, uh, you know, the silver coin, his series at image, which oh. is uh, exceptional. Um, but he was encouraging me to do something similar uh and so this opportunity came about mm-hmm. and i mentioned it to him and he was uh, extremely happy for me um you know i'm glad to say and then you know as it, I, but i didn't want to talk about it for a little bit because it wasn't you know what i mean like it was i got the green light i got the you know like i got the go ahead to like mm-hmm. okay you know you can pitch it mm-hmm. you, you can write the you can write the outline uh, you can start writing the script. Uh-huh. You can, da-da. but each, you know, with each step, it became a little more real, and the pressure to make it happen increased. 
but I, you know, I was always worried that it could fold. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and so I wasn't ready to tell most people, I, you know, so I, you know, but as I, as work, you know, as I spent more time working on it and became more real, I felt comfortable telling other friends of mine. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think that there's anybody who kind of doesn't think Godzilla is cool, you know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you say you get to do your right and try your own Godzilla story for fun, like it seems like mm-hmm. it's like going to a theme park. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's everybody that I that I told to early on was extremely happy and supportive for me. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, which feels great. It feels good to have friends who can be that way for you. Um, but um, and then once I got to really talk about it in a public space online. Yes. Uh, I heard from a lot of people. Uh, who were extremely positive. So um, again, this everything about this project is just, it's been fun, mm-hmm. or it is fun since it's not technically over yet. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, like every, everybody I've heard from has just been super cool about it. That's pretty nice. Off the cuff question. So listeners, um, I know this is an audio podcast, but behind Adam, there is a creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> mask hanging on his wall so adam i'm just going to ask do you ever think of writing a story about the creature from the black lagoon uh no i love the creature um i love gilman he's super like that movie is great um i haven't seen the sequel um but i don't think i have if i were to do a story it would be my version of that mm-hmm. um i the you i think the universal universal monsters are, like they're so iconic yes mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be anything more done to them like i think they're perfect iterations mm-hmm. of, of 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 you know of what those what those things are and um you know like i cherish like i i own those movies i cherish them and i don't think they need you know i have i i have nothing to contribute <laughs> okay. um mm-hmm. but um but no i but they're but even but with with each universal monster there is something what makes the you know, there's there's something that makes them special and so you can figure out what makes them special and like how do you do that you mm-hmm. know what i mean and um so rather than do what's been done i would try to create my own my own creature mm-hmm. yeah okay all right um i'm gonna move on to the next um to your current project that you're doing right now and i'm going to be honest to our listeners um it's the blue flame i have the issues on my reading stack i'm a little behind on my reading we all are (laughs) (laughs) um so it correct me if i'm wrong it's from vault comics correct can i just ask you can you just give us uh can you tell listeners who might be interested um to picking up this series what's the story about yeah no problem um yeah so the blue flame uh the blue flame is a superhero and Mm -hmm. Uh, he resides in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the United States. So uh, by day, Sam Brossom mm-hmm. is an HVAC repairman. By night, he's the blue flame. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of a blue collar, uh, uh, you know, local mm-hmm. superhero yeah. who has superhero friends. And together they form a group called the Night Brigade. Mm-hmm. So they perform superheroic acts within within the Milwaukee area, mm-hmm. um, and they try to be a force for good in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, at a further point in time, we also meet the Blue Flame, 
when he's further along in his superhero career mm. um, and he's uh, taken into deep unknown cosmic space by uh, powerful alien beings who put him on trial for the fate of humanity. Uh, and so humanity is being judged by a, a tribunal of intergalactic space beings mm-hmm. who are deciding whether or not humanity needs to continue. Mm-hmm. And um, they choose Sam, who's mm-hmm. Earth's greatest hero, mm-hmm. to, uh, to stand trial and try and basically plead Earth's case, humanity's case. So you have these two uh, storylines um, going back and forth to so seeing Sam in his early crime fighting, fighting days. Uh-huh. And then seeing Sam uh, at a much later point in his career. And, you know, as the story goes back and forth, you see how each, you know, each story thread informs the other. Um, but um, it's a, you know, there's big cosmic, uh, there's a big cosmic odyssey aspect to it, but uh-huh. there's also a very raw and street level um, uh, uh, aspect to it also. So uh-huh. you kind of get the best of both worlds. And um it's a deals with a lot of like heavy real life stuff. There's a lot of swashbuckling space fun. So it gets, you know, it, it, we take you high and we take you low. <laughs> now, um, one more question before I start wrapping this up. So um, who came up with the costume design for the blue flame? I did. Um, okay. So, you know, Chris Kentwell is a very vivid writer. And so in reading his scripts, he had a, a broad but but pretty concise idea of what the blue flame would look like mm-hmm. or, or what he pictured the blue flame to look like. Mm-hmm. And so based on his, you know, his, um, his writing, uh, I put together this costume that I wanted to feel um, like was uh, recognizable in an iconic way. Mm-hmm. You know, because we meet the blue flame as an already established hero, mm-hmm. you know, he's not getting an origin story. This is somebody who's been, he's an established character in his own world. So mm-hmm. I wanted something that felt lived in, like, mm-hmm. you know, nothing we had to explain. So, um, so, you know, like a, a kind of costume that people could kind of, you know, there are other touchstones for, but that also felt, you know, like original. So, you know, something, something that played on nostalgia while also feeling fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not an easy feat. It, uh, you know, I, it took me a while to come to crack that mm-hmm. that costume, but uh, I think I I think I I wound up with something that I'm very very happy with, mm-hmm. and um, the people seem to like. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully it stands the test of time. Now, listeners, um, now I know issue seven has not come out yet, but I've already seen the co- I've you know, but there's covers already on online. I want to mm-hmm. see. I love the cover of issue number seven where the blue flame is on a, a motorcycle, right? Yeah. That looks awesome. It, that looks oh, great. You. And that, that really looks cool. Thank I you. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm going to start wrapping things up. Um, actually, I got only, I got two more questions. Yeah. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? No, we very much want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I, my girls are, you know, they're aspiring beach bunnies. So, uh, so Hawaii is a pretty attractive place. Um, mm-hmm. But so it's a destination 
for uh, is this for some point in the future? Oh, yes, yeah, yes, okay. Well, I, and I'm gonna and I, I'm just gonna let you know we do have comic book conventions here. I and if any of the convention organizers in Hawaii are listening to this, you know, please invite Adam and his family. <laughs> I'm I'm a big I'm a big deal. Please bring me to your convention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then final question, any last words to our listeners? Gosh, any last words? It sounds so final. Um uh I'm you know what? Like I um I'm working on the Godzilla comic, Godzilla yep. Rivals King Ghidorah. Um that's out in December at the end of December. Uh so look forward to that. Um the, obviously the Blue Flame and um, you know, uh, oh gosh, where am I going with this? Um, but, uh, you know, like I, uh, you can, if you're interested in commissions or original art, I have an art rep who's named Cam. So you can contact Cam at inkyknuckles.com for all art inquiries. You can even check out his website, inkyknuckles.com to browse on what's already up for sale. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, follow me online and, um, yeah, just to see what I'm up to and what I'm about. Uh, um, but that's that's really all I can think of. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Adam, thank you very much. Adam, I want to wish you all the success with Godzilla Rivals versus King Ghidorah and the Blue Flame. And I also want to wish you a continued success in the comic book industry. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And then Adam Mahalo, that's thank you in Hawaiian for your time and giving me the opportunity to interview you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your interest in, in, in having a chat with me. Um, so I was very happy to do it, and I enjoyed speaking with you. Oh, thank you. Adam, thank you very much. Now, if you are a new reader or a lifelong reader or a, you know, a big Godzilla fan, please check out Adam's Godzilla Rivals versus King Ghidorah. It's coming out on December 22nd, and I believe the previous quote is, OCT210380. And also, please check out um, his ongoing series, The Blue Flame from, um, by Vault Comics. Now, I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit um, that comes out every Saturday. And finally, you know, I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha.